time to screw the norms. To fit in, we often hide what's on our minds, who we really are, or who we want to be, or even what we want to do. But now you're having the right conversations. Here, we'll talk about sex, relationships, and mental health, and how they interact with each other and so many other aspects of life. Shame can't survive when we're honest and curious with each other and ourselves. It's time for your mind to scream less and for you to screw more. I'm Rachel Wright, a non-monogamous queer psychotherapist and your host. All right, friends, welcome back to the Right Conversations podcast. Today, I am so, so, so excited to have Dr. Courtney Tracy on with us. You may know her as the Truth Doctor on Instagram. Dr. Courtney, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to have this conversation. Same, same. So for anybody who doesn't know you yet, which if you don't, please go follow her immediately. Uh, <laughs> can you introduce yourself and just share who you are, what you do in the world? Sure. My name is Dr. Courtney Tracy. I am a licensed clinical social worker and a doctor of clinical psychology. I mainly have spent my career being what I call a clinical entrepreneur. So I specialize in co-occurring disorders. I opened a few of my own centers in Santa Barbara and sold them last year so that I could just fully focus on my Truth Doctor platform. And right now I'm, I'm working with creating content for over 2 million people on like seven different platforms as a therapist. So helping a lot of people <laughs> unexpectedly. <laughs> Isn't it so fucking wild? I, you know, my platform is nowhere near 2 million. And still when I see like 25,000, I'm like 25,000 people. Yeah. And there was a time where I was just working one-on-one, -on -one, like me and a person and a couch and a tea station. Right. It's just so <laughs> wild. Yeah, it is. It is. It's that's the, one of the benefits of social media though, is being able to connect and share. Truly, truly. So speaking of sharing, one of the first things I want to talk to you about is talking about your own stuff online. Um, it's something that really attracted me to your platform because as a therapist myself and as someone who shares about my depression and my panic disorder and relationship issues, like you name it, I talk about it. I don't see a lot of other therapists doing that. And mm -hmm. I have received... Um, let's just say criticism to put it nicely um, from other clinicians around the amount of transparency. And so I would love to ask you how you decided to do that, why you do it, what you share, just anything about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's it's so unfortunate that you have experienced criticism. Um, well, the reason that I decided to do it was because I was going through a lot of shit and I wanted to hide it. And I thought that that was like really messed up. I eventually realized I'm like absolutely contributing to the stigma of this. If I'm hiding it while telling my clients it's not something that they need to hide, it just makes no sense. And I understand from a professional standpoint, we want to have clinical competency. We want to be able to do our job. The problem is, is it's also stigmatizing to assume that a therapist with mental health issues cannot be competent and cannot know their limits or their boundaries or how to not self-disclose in session versus online and how to handle boundaries when 
clients see your self-disclosure and bring it into session. And a skilled clinician knows how to do that. So I came out and I just decided to share everything. And I think one thing that's interesting about what I share is that I share so much of the stuff that I just society in general doesn't think is appropriate. Like I've been physically violent towards my husband. I've he's been mm-hmm. physically violent towards me. I've cheated on him. I've done I've been addicted to methamphetamine. Like I've sold my body for substances. And these these are were of course when I was way younger, but people are like, whoa, like I can't believe that you're coming out with that. Yeah. And it's like maybe watch your shock because like your yes. stigma is showing, you know? <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. It's so one, uh, thank you for going into all of this. And one of the things that you've talked a lot about is your borderline personality disorder. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about what that is for people who maybe have heard it, but have heard it through the lens of this stupid fucking stigma around it? Yes. So borderline personality disorder is essentially when you feel so much within that you have to or want to let it out or take it out in some way. Essentially, the feeling comes from a a fear of abandonment. So one thing I realized when I recently, actually, just a couple weeks ago, I was diagnosed with ADHD combined type. They noted that I've had it since I was a child. So I've been an extremely sensitive person my entire life who got very overwhelmed very easily. And the environment that I grew up in didn't mirror myself back at me. Mm-hmm. They didn't know what what was going on for me. And so as kids, when you develop a sense of self, you, it's because your parents mirror back to you who you are and acknowledge that. And so one of the main issues with borderline is a lack of sense of self. So we we never meshed with our environment well. So we don't know who we are, but we know that we feel so much and we want connection because we don't want to be abandoned. And But that leads to unstable relationships and irritability and the potential for violence on yourself or another person. And so like those are literally what I just described are the symptoms of borderline personality disorder. The thing is, is that's an internal explanation because on the outside, somebody might describe it as somebody who yells all the time, manipulates you, Mm. um, is scary, is unstable, uh, you know, all these. And like, sure, that's an outer experience, but the inner experience I think matters more because it's really painful. Yeah. And, and it's really lonely and it's really scary. And, and I just think people don't understand that there's a person like borderline personality, like we are a person. Mm-hmm. This is just how we've developed as- associating with the world around us. Why do you think it's so stigmatized both and honestly, both clinically and in the non-clinical world? Because I know in my master's program, there was like a day on BPD and I was I could feel the discomfort in how they were teaching us about Mm -hmm. this disorder. And I sought out a lot of extra trainings and classes around it because it was very clear, like you said, your stigma showing. And I'm wondering why you think that stigma is there both in the therapist realm and then also kind of among the general public. You know, I think with 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 both of it, I, I think it's fear. And and the thing is, is it's not fear of someone with borderline, it's fear of what you do not understand. Mm. 
it's like, oh yeah, sure, violence is scary, but do you know why someone's being violent? Like you don't, we probably don't understand. And if you did, you would empathize. You know, it's that's yeah. and it's like if someone with borderline, you know, sex is a big thing and promiscuity and substances and violence and like all the things that are considered mm -hmm. taboo in society. Mm -hmm. You can I say like lump us in with people who have substance use disorder issues, like certain ones. It's just like, oh, I don't work with that population because they just lie all the time. Okay, well, why do you think like, why are they lying? Like that's a human right. mechanism and you need to figure out what it is and you can't just treat people like they're too much because your literal fucking job is to help them not be too much for themselves. And so they can be happy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I get really upset about it. <laughs> no, I love it. I, the, I get very lit up about a lot of stuff too. So <laughs> I really appreciate <laughs> the fashion. It's, did you watch the show crazy ex-girlfriend? I did not watch it. Okay, you know that it was a musical comedy about a person with borderline personality disorder. No, now I need to watch it. <laughs> I would be very curious. Maybe we can even have you back on, but regardless, we'll like get coffee or something. <laughs> and I would love to hear your thoughts. And that's oh a God. teaser for later, I guess. Well, the name in the first place is like, oh, I'm sure I will love it. <laughs> it's yeah. As, as someone who has a background in theater and as a therapist, it's just, it's, it's yeah. I'm excited to hear your thoughts. <laughs> Thanks. So speaking of diagnosing, one of the questions that I got asked from a lot of people in my community on Instagram that I thought would be great for us to talk about is are mental health issues being overdiagnosed or are people becoming more aware of mental health and seeking diagnoses or both? That's a good question. I think both. Because, well, to start off, we are diagnosed with many things in the DSM um, because that means that we're not fitting in with what society expects of us. So mm -hmm. overdiagnosis in general, I think, is happening yeah. because we are because we have a label for normal reactions to traumatic situations and more and more people are becoming traumatized. So it's like. Yeah, is there are they are they being correctly diagnosed? Probably, but is it an overdiagnosis? Yes, because we're yeah. not solving the root problem. But I also think that people are talking about mental health more and and so yes, people are coming to experiencing these symptoms and now they're aware that they can go get the diagnosis. So I think that you really can't avoid one or the other. They they do get lumped together, but I think overall the positive is that like no fucking wonder like we're all still so sick because we haven't been talking about it just like and sick in general like we are sick like our species like needs a lot of fucking work yeah <laughs> you know yeah yeah well and i love what you said about being outside the norm because you know if you look back in the dsm and for those of you who don't know this is the diagnostic and statistical manual it's basically what doctors and therapists will use to diagnose. It has the criteria for diagnoses, what the symptoms are, how long the person has to have them, things like that. Um, you know, being gay used to be in the DSM. And right. like, that's a perfect example of like, what? Like just yes. because something is not your quote unquote traditional, you know, 
Christian heteronormative monogamous relationship doesn't mean that someone is ill and has right. a, di a diagnosable illness. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Oh, it's just wild. So in your practice, especially after COVID, I mean, we're not like after COVID, but after the heat of COVID, what have you been seeing in terms of clients? Like what has been the most common presenting issue with folks lately? Well, I owned a, an addiction treatment center through mm. through COVID. So from when it started to when I sold my treatment center in the middle of 2021, I mean, it was just an, an intense influx of substance use and suicidality. There were yeah. so, I mean, and that's what we were dealing with already, but but it was the amount. It was people were saying like, I, I, you know, mm, I, I'm a harm reduction person. So they're like, oh, I had, you know, I was using a, a general level of my substances. And like, now I cannot, like, now I think I'm fully addicted, like, and I need help. Or, you know, I, I like my heavy use. I wasn't going to come in for it, but now I'm feeling suicidal. So now I just want to come in for it all. Yeah. And yeah, it was just everything to the extreme because it was extreme. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I want to quickly interrupt this episode to talk about my latest project with Best Self Co. If you don't already know, Best Self Co. is a brand with a range of simple yet meaningful tools that help people achieve their goals, be more productive, and create positive change in their life. I've had the pleasure of working with Best Self Co. on a few projects, the latest being their brand new Intimacy After Dark deck. This 150 card conversation deck is a tool for talking about and exploring sex to bring more connected intimacy into your life. The deck was designed with all relationship structures in mind and includes a conversation framework adapted and approved by me that guides you through consensual and comfortable conversations about sex. Best Self was so kind to provide a code to my listeners so that you can get your hands all over the Intimacy After Dark deck before it's gone. Use the code RACHEL, R-A-C-H-E-L, during checkout at bestself.co and get 30% off the new Intimacy After Dark deck. That's bestself.co and code RACHEL for 30% off the new After Dark deck. I want to thank Best Self Co. for being one of today's podcast sponsors. Now, back to our conversation. So now is that calming down at all? Like as, as COVID starts to die down, are you seeing that trend die down as well? Um, I've seen some people come out of the heat of COVID yeah. really desiring health. And so they're really wanting to make changes. But I'm also still seeing so many people who they can't get out of the mess that they were put into throughout yeah. COVID. So either they yeah. lost their job or their house, or they realized that their partner wasn't the one that they really wanted to be with because they were too close to one another for too long. And so it, it's really, it really depends. I also think it really matters with privilege. It's like the people who had more resources throughout the whole experience are better off now because they didn't have as much fear health-wise or society-wise over the last couple of years? That's, yes, just yes. <laughs> so to anyone listening, what would your advice be if, if someone's feeling lost or if someone is feeling um, confused or 
maybe they are using more of their substance than they typically do, or they're behaving in ways that are a bit dystonic from what they're used to, or just having a life that feels more dissonant than normal. Mm. What advice would you give them? Well, that's a great question. And I feel like I could feel like what that would feel like for anyone in this moment. Mm -hmm. And you know, as a social worker, always my mind goes, well, what, what are the reasons? Is it work or yep. school or <laughs> yeah. family or relationship or personal or financial, you know? So trying to understand that, that all of those things I have no idea about, yeah. I think, yeah. you know, whenever, cause it is a universal feeling. And I think it's important to realize that you have internal resources that hopefully no one will ever take away from you, right? You have the ability to connect, reconnect with yourself and that may come off fluffy. And so I want to be really clear that even connecting with your distress is important because like, if you think mm. about it, when you have a friend that's distressed and they want you to connect with them and you do, and then their distress goes down, you can do that with yourself as well. It feels a little scary because you're alone and and it may feel like you have no idea what you're doing, but just simply putting your attention, if you can, if you are someone with a really traumatic history, this might not be the best advice, but to just get in touch with that distress and realize that it's not you. If you can get in touch with it, then it's not you. It's all consuming you, but it's not you. So reconnecting with yourself, you understand that you could feel so much more than what your external environment is making you feel. It's beautiful. I, I thank you. I'm also wondering, you know, viewing you and, and how you show up in the world from the outside, it seems like it takes a lot of courage. And I'm wondering if you experience that, like, do you, do you daily or weekly or however often need to cultivate courage to show up the way that you do? And if you do, how do you do that? Mm, you know, I don't. I don't think that it takes courage because for me because, I mean, maybe it did in the beginning, but I've been living my whole life like this. Mm. And so... I've already gotten all the possible responses I could get and from people who I actually give a shit about what they have to say. <laughs> so I, you know, I, I'm used to it. I think, you know, what does take courage is not telling my truth online, but defending it. Like that shit pisses me off. Like when I say something that's true about myself, like, um, and someone just comes back, like telling me that I don't know what I'm talking about, for an example, or just like being rude. It's like, I, what scares me is if I defend myself, are they going to be an asshole and just be like, oh, so you definitely do have borderline just because they're being an asshole. And so I'm like rude back. And it's like, oh my God, you're such a therapist with borderline. I would never go to you. So I'm, I, it's like, I can't show up and defend my truth because then they use it against me. And I just hate that shit, but I still yeah. do it. And I'm getting more used to it because no one deserves to have a screen be a welcome invitation to be treated terrible. Truly, 
truly. So who, it's going to sound weird. If, <laughs> if, if people are listening and they're like, I don't know if I am the person that Courtney's trying to reach. How can someone know that they can benefit from what you're putting out into the world? If they've ever thought that they needed to hide a part of themselves. I mean, that's really what it is. Yeah. I think that there's yeah. a lot of therapists online that really specialize in like, here's your tips for anxiety. Here's your tips for PTSD or OCD. Um, and mine's really just, I, you know, even online they or on like on Instagram, they say pick a category. Um, and I don't pick therapist. I pick public figure because I'm just trying to share my truth with the hopes that it will prevent you from hiding yours. It will help you be honest because you see a therapist being honest about her yeah. mental health. Thank you for that. You know, it's really interesting. I will often get the comment. The reason I asked you this courage question before is I will often get the comment like, oh, it's so brave of you to share about your blank so publicly. And my response constantly is that I wish we lived in a world where being yourself was not considered an act of fucking bravery. Like, yes, I, it is so mind baffling to me that we have created a society like, no, of course we're all sick. Like we've created a society where being ourselves is an act of courage. I know it's ridiculous. Even on my website I have, cause you know, Brene Brown was all about vulnerability. Yeah. Yeah. And I have on my website, I don't like the word vulnerability, at least mm. when it comes to mental health, because the definition of vulnerability is being at risk of being harmed physically or emotionally. Why are we at risk of being harmed physically and emotionally if we're open about our mental health? Being open about our mental health should not make us vulnerable. Yes. I mean, yes. it does now. Then the hope is the more we are vulnerable about it, the less it will be a vulnerable thing to talk about. Right. Right. How would you encourage if someone is not used to sharing and not even publicly, like let's take social media out of it, but even mm -hmm. with their personal circle, their partner, partners, their family, like whoever they're close to, what would you recommend as like a first step or two? in kind of dipping their toe into, I'm going to start sharing and kind of assessing that vulnerability. Like, am I at risk for danger in expressing this? And, and how, how can they navigate that? That's a really great question. And people have asked me that before too. Like, should I just dive right in online? And I'm like, it's a scary place. I wouldn't do that <laughs> right away until you know what you can withstand. Um, but I call it testing your fear line, right? It's sort of just a really easy way of saying, expose yourself <laughs> to yeah, <right. laughs> the trigger. Um, yeah, but test your feeler line. It's like when you dip your toe to check the temperature of the pool. Um, and what that could look like is basically what you want to do is check, have, have an exercise where you can see how your mind and body are going to react to even the thought of coming out and saying something personal about yourself. So first, that would be the first step is just imagine that you that, it, that you were going to do it that day. You were going to talk to your partner or someone, but you're not going to, but just check in with what that feels like. The next thing I would say to do is to just write it down 
or do a voice memo. And then the next day, read it or listen to it and just see what you feel when you see it on the outside of you or hear it on the outside of you. And I think first, those two things would be important so you can gauge your level of where you're at and then maybe continue to do that until you feel like you're at a place where it's not so scary to you anymore. And then I would probably try it with the person that you feel the safest with before the person that you're ultimately wanting to share with. I, yes, I love that. My, my therapist has often referred to, and if you're listening to this, you're, you'll laugh. Um, she has often referred to sharing with people who aren't safe as putting your guts out for them to feed on. Ooh, yes. And like that visual, when she said it the first time, I was like, oh, fuck me. Like, yes, that's exactly what it feels like. And right. I just have this gross visual of like some horror movie with like intestines right. laying out everywhere and like <laughs> maggots coming on. And I was like, yeah, and then the maggots are like that person. And <laughs> and each time I go to share with someone, you know, intimately, um, I think about that. It's like, if I pour my guts out onto this table or onto the floor, are they going to be the person that helps put them back in and sew me right. up? Or are they going to be the person that starts feeding? And that visual, like, it's just in there now. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. And yeah. awful. <laughs> and yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was really helpful. And, you know, what I found is that, like, for me, I have very few things that I won't talk about on Instagram and usually they involve other people's privacy. So like, that's kind of where my line is, is if it's just yes. mine, almost everything I'll share. Once it involves one of my partners, someone in my family, like then it crosses into, I need to ask them for consent. And then like that gets a little more complicated because then their family may see, like right. there's just a whole lot more layers. Um, but when it comes to sharing, it's like, okay, will I, if it's just about me, would I share this on Instagram? If the answer is yes, then I would share it with basically anybody because it's out there to 25,000 people. If the answer is no, then I ask myself that guts question. And yeah. that has been a great like risk fear line assessor I love for, that. for me. Yeah, that's brilliant. Oh, so before we go, do you want to leave? Well, first of all, how can people find you and work with you and support you and cheer you on in the world? <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah. On TikTok and Instagram, you can just search The Truth Doctor. On YouTube, The Truth Doctor Show. On Snapchat, Therapist Reacts, if you want to see me reacting to celebrities and pop culture. Um, oh, fun. I haven't even seen those. <laughs> I got to check that out. And then just my website for more information outside of social media, just thetruthdoctor.com. <laughs> Beautiful, beautiful. And any parting words for anyone listening? I think I'll share what I usually share about control. And so um, you may think that everything in your life is out of control right now, but the things that are in your control once weren't, and they're so in your control now that you didn't even realize it. Mm. Mm. Thank you. Thank <laughs> yeah. you for coming on, truly. And anybody listening, I promise you, if you've been following me and have appreciated just the transparency and candor and humor and honesty and just realness, you will love, love, love 
Dr. Courtney's <laughs> account. So please, thank please you. go check her out and support. And thank you again for taking the time, my dear. Thank you so much. That's all for today, you sexy folks. What questions came to mind as you were listening? Continue the conversation with me over on Instagram at the right underscore Rachel. And don't forget, please leave a rating and a review so that we can continue erasing shame and stigma together.